We are unlimited energetic beings. But as women, we're taught to believe that our worth is in direct proportion to whether or not we're acceptable to others. We spend our lives keeping our mouths closed at work, playing it small in relationship with family and friends, dieting, and for many of us, sadly, seeking out a partner not for love and companionship, but for the social accolades that come with having a man put a ring on it. My name's Dr. Liz Dubois, and I've spent the last decade traveling the globe talking to women facing different types of trauma. Through my work and my research, I've come to believe that no matter what it is we're facing, we're all playing it small. This podcast is my rallying cry for us to step into our power and stop living within the bounds of what society taught us was acceptable. Each week, I spotlight the story of a badass woman who's refusing to play it safe any longer. Within each of their stories, you'll hear practical advice to step into your own power, find your authentic worth, and unapologetically live your purpose. This is my invitation to you to be small, no more. This is a different kind of episode than the Friday episodes I've been dropping. This is me jumping in a couple days, Sunday, after the Friday episode where I came out. I had come out to my immediate family in a very small circle of friends before and had gotten really clear on the fact that me not making my sexuality public was me hiding and being ashamed of something that there's nothing to be ashamed about. The asterisk on that, of course, is that if our society treated sexuality as something to not be ashamed of, this fairly self-actualized, overeducated, successful 36-year-old would not have felt any need to have an existential crisis about it. I'm recording this episode because I have gotten a lot of messages from other women, which was my hope that that coming out and having that discussion about coming out after marriage was going to give hope to other women the same way that lesbians on TikTok have given me a lot of hope. Um, and, and that has bear, borne out to be the case. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And for people that are reaching out, I'm really grateful that you're finding comfort in what I am sharing as far as content. And I don't want to pretend that I'm sharing anything magical and mythical beyond what other people are doing, but I'm grateful that I've gotten to now join that conversation. And I'm grateful for the people that are reaching out that this is helping. I'm on here today because I just want to ruminate a little bit publicly on some of the different sociopolitical issues that this feels like it's bringing up. So in addition to this being my own personal experience, I per perhaps not coincidentally um, pursued an education that dealt with all of these things. I am a trained journalist. That's my undergrad. And my journalism and, and activism politically in undergrad was all around women's rights, women equality, um, and sexuality. Of course, this was happening concurrent to me really <laughs> realizing I was attracted to women and, and being scared shitless about what that meant because I'd been raised in Southern Ohio in an area where being gay had a lot of really gross consequences. And actually, 
when I was 15, I remember waking up um, to my mom sitting in my bedroom kind of with this shell shock look on her face. And I, I thought someone had died. And I like bolted up in bed and she said, you know, honey, I need to tell you something really bad. And someone had spray painted on our house the words Beth, which was my name growing up. They had spray painted Beth is a lesbian bitch. And um, apparently I was giving off lesbian vibes at the time. I, I actually don't think that was the case. I don't think that people had a sense of what my sexuality was because I was still trying to figure out what that was. And I was dating boys and, um, you know, it, it was less to do with me having a sexuality and more to do with the fact that lesbian was an insult and continues to be an insult. The last time that I was in my hometown, um, my then husband and I were, were driving down the road past one of the elementary schools in my neighborhood and we had an Obama sticker on the back of our car and someone with an air horn, which is just like a, a fantastic amount of pre-planning on their part, with an air horn yelled out the side of their car, go away, you lesbian vaginas, or go home, you lesbian vaginas, because we at that point didn't have Ohio plates anymore. And so women's body parts, women's sexuality, where I grew up um, is, is something that is viewed as as an insult. And so I had a very clear sense when I was going to college and I was studying sexuality, studying um, women's rights, women's uh, liberation, all these different things around waves of feminism. I had a very clear idea that being gay was not really an option for me if I wanted to have the kind of life that I, I now indeed have. I think I have the impression that the reason I've been able to have the career I've been able to have up to this point was because I did have some of the social trappings that came with, come with, continue to come with being publicly heterosexual. I was married to a man. Um, I am a mom. I have a life that does not lead people to question much about who I am in a way that's suspicious. I think perhaps the, the biggest thing that would leave a question mark for people of, is this a person I want to comport with is I'm, I'm an addict in recovery, um, and, and I'm open about that. But in general, there's not much in my past where I go, mm, that would be a liability for me having the kind of life I want to live. And where I grew up, um, that, that wasn't the case. I was in high school when Matthew Shepard was killed. I was very active in a youth group that I think of as probably pretty progressive and liberal, given the, the culture in which it was unfolding in this kind of Southern Ohio. Um, I'm not even sure how to articulate what it was. It was just a place where it didn't feel safe to be gay. Um, but. I was in this relatively liberal group of people, but it was unfolding in this backdrop of much less tolerance. Um, I went to a public high school, and in that public high school, one of the teachers that was really involved in an evangelical Christian church, I'm going to put Christian here in quotes because as someone that still feels very strongly that having a God in my life is a central component of what makes me me, 
I'm just going to throw some, some quotes around Christian church because what this church was advertising via my public high school was something called a hell house, which was an alternative uh, activity for youth groups to go to during the Halloween season. Um, and this hell house had different uh, depictions of people that were burning in hell. So you would bring your youth group through this kind of living diorama of, I forget if it was seven or nine, but multiple funeral scenes. One was a guy that had, um, and these were all made up, right? These were fictional scenarios, but you would walk your youth group through. And so one was a guy that had killed people in a DUI. One was a woman that had had an abortion, which like this diorama included a fetus in a jar. And one of them was a gay person. And so as I'm going through my formative years and, and as the you know therapist in the room, I'm going to say, you know, my, my uh, subconscious was still being formed in this way, right? Like we're was still forming the kind of core memories that influence how people see the world, right? Our, our frontal cortex doesn't even really stop growing and, and becoming solidified until we're in our early 20s. And so I was being exposed to all of this at a point in my life where I was still really coming to understand who I am and what the world is like. And I don't want to speculate or assign things that that may not be true for other people, because I, I think that a lot of the folks that I grew up in with in the church were, were people that really actively supported and saw um, sexuality and, and homosexuality as something that didn't have to be this um, shameful box of, of love the sinner, hate the sin. I know I was surrounded by people for whom that was um, an abhorrent thought, but that didn't change the fact that I was still coming of age when Matthew Shepard was killed and when these hell houses were happening and when gay marriage was just not even, I think, part of certainly my conscious, within my consciousness as a teenager at that time. Um, and just kind of giving context, I graduated high school in 2002. So, so that's the backdrop, right, of, of where I'm coming from. And I, I want to just acknowledge that that culture has not tremendously shifted in some of the formative ways. On the policy side, I think it's shifted tremendously, right? We now have the Oberfell ruling, so gay marriage is, is legal across the country. I think we have much stronger measures in place for hate crimes, but certainly I, I know just from, from TikTok, right, <laughs> informal sociology, um, I know from TikTok that people are still coming out and having to go to camps and therapists, quote unquote, where they have the gay prayed away. And as someone that now makes her living as a therapist, that, I mean, it just, there's not words to express how sad I am that this is still a thing that people have to apologize for and feel shame about and be afraid of and now as someone joining the ranks of people that have come out um, I, I'm just struck by how unnecessary this is if we had a different type of society where who you love who you sleep with the type of people that you are attracted to had absolutely nothing 
to do with who you are as a person beyond that's a particular characteristic, right? Like if it was the same thing of, oh, you know, I have a type and my type is like tall, dark and handsome versus like skinny, lanky, you know, person. If it was that, right, I have a type, my type is, you know, tall, lanky, blonde women, right? If, if that was just a thing, tall, dark and handsome, whatever, and, and gender really didn't have a thing to do with it, this whole process of coming out and angst and fear wouldn't be a thing. Like, what kind of society could we have if this was absolutely not one of the public debates? We could really focus on some of the stuff that actually should really be central, right? How do we take care of people that are sick that don't have health insurance, which I have all sorts of thoughts about, but we're going to talk about sexuality here and not people being horrible, but we would have the emotional and political bandwidth, I'm going to say that again, political bandwidth to deal with social problems that are actually problems. We would be able to deal with things that don't have to do with people's inherent characteristics and we could for sure go on about the different types of categories that it's even more problematic to exist in this world as, right? I do not want to portray sexuality as the overarching characteristic that society endangers and targets people for. However, again, this particular podcast episode being dedicated to just thinking about what is unfolding in my life right now and what that means for other women, not that my story has implications for other women, but that my story is a data point among the experiences of women that go through this. I'm, I'm just so struck by the fact that this would be completely unnecessary if we had a different type of culture. And I'm really proud that each of the three episodes that I've put out up to this point, I think, do a good job of highlighting different women's stories as data points. Right? We've now talked about disordered eating. We've talked about being comfortable in the fact that not every mom's experience is the same and not everyone's experience going through really big challenges with figuring out who we are, not in terms of sexuality, but in, gen in general how do we be ourselves authentically in the world? I, I think we're doing a good job in this project of lifting up people's stories that uh, give us insight as to what society is like for women and what women face when they're wrestling with how do I be all of myself without consequence. And I'm just hitting pause right here in the series to ruminate a bit more thoroughly on sexuality because this is where I'm at in my journey and I know that it's a thing that people across the board are still struggling with. I do not want to pretend that I know everything about this. I know very little about this. You know, the, the work that I've done around sexuality and gender equality has been fairly theoretical and academic beyond my particular research, which has been what happens to women in the aftermath of sexual violence and divorce. That's, that's been my niche. 
Um, so despite having a master's degree and a PhD, both of which focused in some part on sexuality, um, you know, this, this is not in any way, shape or form a fight that I have fought. This is not activism that I have driven. And I want to state that here and now just to simply say, as I'm talking about these things, I don't in any way want to portray myself as a person that has been at the forefront of recognizing that these issues are totally bullshit, that this shouldn't have to be a thing. Um, so I'm not saying that, that I'm adding anything new to the conversation, but I'm, I'm adding my life experience into the pool of data points that we have to suggest that, that this shouldn't have to be something shameful. I shouldn't have to have waited a couple of decades to be public about this. And to the people that are listening to this and thinking, well, this is just something that this is a private issue. This is a personal issue because um, that certainly was a narrative that I grew up around. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're getting squeamish or <laughs> perhaps you've already turned this episode off and I'm not talking to you anymore, but let's pretend for a second I am. If you're listening to this and, and feeling squeamish and saying this is not a thing that should be public to you, I say this, I'm a divorce coach. I make my living in family law. And let me tell you what, partnership is public. Who we love is public. Who we love does not just happen in the bedroom or the kitchen or wherever, depending on how exciting your sex life is. That's not a thing that's private. Hopefully your sex life is, but the rest of it, holding hands at a dinner going to a wedding with someone as their plus one, raising your kids. None of this is private. Been within social circles and to pretend that sexual orientation is something that should be private. Again, I'm not talking to my friends, liberals on the East Coast, on the West Coast. I think that's pretty uh, well accepted, but for folks that are listening to this and, and having kind of a squeamish reaction, what I want to say to you is that I, I'm a pretty ballsy, outspoken person, and this has been a huge area of shame and fear for me. Like, the past week has been terribly scary. I've wondered often, am I doing this right? Should I do this? Should I not do this? How many people do I need to tell before I do this? Who do I call? Who do I not call? Are people going to be offended? And uh, like what unnecessary angst? How much more powerful would people be? And I don't mean powerful in, you know, making policies or ruling the world. Powerful in the sense of being able to be present for the people that they love, being able to be fully invested in pursuing their passions. How much more bandwidth would people have if they didn't have to go through the existential angst of figuring out whether or not to share this part of their lives with people. And again, I say share this part of their lives, not to say it's anyone's business what happens behind closed doors, but it's everybody's, uh, well, who we love is public. And if, if we didn't have to make it such a big thing because it still is a big thing. If, if it didn't have to be, if we could come to a place as a culture where 
we decided this had just as much relevance as, again, you know, my type, right? Nobody gives a shit if you're attracted to a particular type of opposite gender, but we give all the shits if you're attracted to the same gender. That seems... (laughs) the PhD researcher in my head is like, it's fascinating that we haven't evolved as a society. And I can go through kind of all of the socio-political factors, but as a person just living this right now, I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. Which is, again, not my nuanced take on this as a doctor, but as a person living it, this is fucking bullshit. This is absolute fucking bullshit. This should not have to be a thing that's scary This is not a thing that needs to have all of this angst about it. I have cried on the floor, literally (laughs) sprawled on the living room floor of two different friends, really heartbroken about the fact that I couldn't be all of myself without revealing this part of me and that didn't have anything to do with wanting to overshare things. It has everything to do with not wanting to hide something and feel ashamed of it. There's not one part of me that I ever want to be ashamed of ever again. And there was zero way that I was going to move forward fully authentic, fully myself, unless this part of me also became public and I just keep being struck by how much more emotional bandwidth I would have as a mom how much more presence and creativity and empathy I would have for my clients as a therapist just how much more me I would have to give to the world if this hadn't been a secret if this hadn't been something that I talked about with a very small number of people <laughs> during which all of those conversations I was crying. How, how much better would the world be if this didn't have to be the process for so many of us? How much more creativity and joy would we have if all of the teens who are on TikTok asking for, you know, asking desperately for advice as they're talking about the fact that they're being packed off to therapist camps or all these kind of inpatient programs to have therapy to teach them how to not be gay anymore. Like what a beautiful world this would be. And I don't say that in the sense of, oh, we'd all have unicorns and rainbows and social justice warriors would rule the day. I'm talking about what if those kids you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old weren't being put into boxes? What if they were just thinking of instead of how do I be public? How do I be me? How do I be safe? They were thinking about what is my major going to be in college? How do I go for that scholarship? You know, we have no idea the, the person that cures cancer, the person that comes up with a vaccine for COVID-19, the person that writes the next you know, great American novel, maybe it's one of those kids. And instead of thinking about what their contribution is going to be to the planet, they're thinking about how do I just be safe in being who I am? How do I 
not hide who I am? How do I tell my parents this thing that shouldn't have to be a big deal if all of their energy didn't have to get poured into being afraid? Think about how different our society would be. So this podcast episode is obviously not an interview with another person. It's me just pouring out what's on my heart right now because I think that it's really important that it's not a secret, not just that I have a particular sexual orientation, you know, again, not because I'm special, but because I don't think anybody should have to hide. And the whole point of this project is to have public conversations about the things that women have fear and shame about. Um, the, the point here is to illustrate that there's this larger dynamic going on that I think is really a drain on our society. And it's not, how do we, you know, how do we make coming out of the closet more comfortable? It's how do we make coming out of a closet not a thing at all, any more so than it is that you come home from college with anybody, right? Like boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't make a difference. It's not a big conversation beyond, oh, are you good enough for my kid? Are you safe? Are you intelligent? Uh, do you seem to have a good head on your shoulders? Not what's your gender? That to me feels like such a waste of love. Just such a waste of love. It doesn't have to be like this. And I don't want to pretend that I have all of the answers at all. But I think that there are steps we can take, even if it's in our own personal life. Um, you know, so if, if you have a friend like me who's crying on your living room floor, trying to figure out how to become comfortable with who she is, uh, put your arm around that girl. Tell her you love her. And then tell her that this is fucking bullshit because <laughs> that's what I wish people were saying to me right now. I wish people in, a, in addition to the outpouring of love, thank you to the people that are giving me you know, just so much affirmation right now. I'm so grateful. Um, you know, <laughs> if your girlfriend's girlfriend in the sense of a friend's girl, not the other kind of girlfriend, um, you know, if your friend's lying on your floor, tell her you love her. And tell her this is, this is bullshit. You shouldn't have to go through this. This shouldn't have to be a thing. Um, so if that's you, you have a friend on the floor crying because she doesn't know how to make peace with herself, tell her she's just fine. And tell her this is fucking bullshit. And if you are the girl on the floor, the woman on the floor, what I want to say to you is this. You shouldn't have to be afraid. I can't tell you don't be afraid because this is still scary as a person raised in a culture where, you know, my house got spray painted with the words lesbian bitch. I don't want to pretend that this isn't going to have consequences uh, depending on where you live and depending on who your family is. I don't want to give you false hope, but I do want to tell you that making yourself small in the service of trying to be acceptable to society is not worth it. There are people who will love you 
There are people who will support you. There are people that will cheer you on. Don't hide yourself. Don't give in to the fear that you cannot be yourself if you make this part of yourself uh, public, if you make this part of who you are, because it is part of who you are. And it doesn't have to mean a particular identity. You don't have to, you know, adopt a label. You don't have to join a cause or be part of a community, but you can simply say, this is a thing about me. The same that, you know, I'm five feet 11 and like pizza, right? Different characteristics. I also happen to to be attracted to girls and and women, right? Not not little girls. That asterisk there, but you know, this shouldn't have to be a thing, but it is. And so if you're the girl crying on the floor, what I want to say to you is is this is scary and you're not alone. There are people out there who will support you. I am one of them. There are people in your life who will love you. There are people in your life who will reassure you that this does not change how they see you. And you're not alone. I'm going to end this episode just with a couple of quick resources for folks that are struggling with this the way that I have been for the past couple of years. There's tons of good resources on the internet, but the ones that have actually been really helpful for me are Facebook groups, um, as well as the Washington Blade, which has been a really helpful just kind of catch all they have done a good job I think of compiling a lot of different resources so I know that um, Blade is in other markets as well so certainly not an exhaustive list of resources but those were the ones that were actually really helpful for me uh, where Facebook groups uh, Blade and then TikTok just seeing other women that had gotten married and then come out uh, TikTok big plug for it so uh, go find resources they're out there never underestimate the power of a Google search and know that you can also reach out to me. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram, which is just small, no more. That's small underscore, no underscore more. So DM me there. And then on TikTok, I am level up your light. You can DM me both of those places. I do respond and be safe. I love you. You're not alone. Mm-hmm.